0: Open your Bibles to Psalms 46. Don't start reading, just open your Bibles there. I want to say a few words before we read our text this morning. Although I would not agree with absolutely everything he said, some of the best advice I ever received uh, comes from the writings of Charles Haddon Spurgeon and one of the things that has been so helpful to me for many years is a statement that he made actually i discovered later on was a uh, was a quotation he was quoting from someone else but he said i not only speak so that i can be understood but so that i cannot be misunderstood That is so very important, and I mentioned it this morning because I want to make sure that you know what I'm talking about. When I say, God is in trouble, that's the title of the message. Tim's already uh, brought it to my attention. God is in trouble. Now, I suppose just about every parent here at some point in time has used the phrase, You're in trouble when they're addressing and warning one of their kids. And uh, I can remember my mother saying, you're going to be in trouble when your daddy gets home. And if it was preceded by Harold, David, I was in big trouble. That meant it was really serious stuff. But you know, we also use that phrase in trouble about other things. We, uh, especially nowadays, we hear people talking about the fact that our country is in trouble. But have you ever thought about God being in trouble? It's true. God is in trouble, but in a different sense than what, uh, what I've been speaking. I want you to notice in the first three verses of Psalms 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, selah. Now, I've said all that I've said so far because I want to make sure that you get this because it relates to what I'm going to say in the message. God is not in trouble, but God is in trouble. He's not in the trouble that, you know, in the sense that He has a problem, contrary to what some people seem to think about Him. God doesn't have any problems uh, but he is in trouble in the sense that he is with us in our troubles. And that's exactly what we see in our text. And the reason I've turned this phrase on its head this morning is because, uh, uh, and I've intentionally made it confusing, is because it's so very important. Maybe, maybe the best way to to make my point and to explain what I'm getting at is the little boy who uh, was saying his prayers. And he said, God, please take care of yourself, because if anything happens to you, we're in a world of trouble. (laughs) That little boy was right, and hopefully you can see the connection here. If God is in trouble in the sense that, that He has problems that He can't solve, needs that He can't meet, enemies that He can't defeat, then we're all in trouble, because a God like that cannot be of any help to us. And we all need help. Job said, man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So if we're going to have trouble, we can't get out of it. So we better make sure that we can get through it. At This very moment, there are a lot of folks worried about the condition of our country, I think maybe more than ever before. It's for good reason. Our nation is in trouble. It's in serious trouble. And our ability to cope with our troubles depends upon our view of and our faith in God. And, and, you know, if God is in the condition that there are needs that He can't meet, problems He can't solve, enemies that He can't defeat, then we end up without any hope we end up in despair, and that's where a lot of folks are today, because instead of having their sight set on God, they're thinking about the problems. Well, the good news is that God is not in trouble, but yet He is in trouble with us. He has the ability to do anything. And regardless of the nature of the trouble that you're in, God is in trouble with you. Now, let me make this personal, and I want to show you what it means for God to be in trouble. This psalm is divided up into three sections, and each part ends with the word "sela," simply means to pause, stop, think about what has just been said. And every section emphasizes the presence of God in the face of trouble. That's the theme of this song, the fact that God is in trouble. So what does that mean to us personally? Well, just in the first three verses, I want you to notice here in verse number one three things, what it means for God to be in trouble. First of all, it means shelter. Notice it says that He is our refuge. That speaks about protection. He is a hiding place, as it were. This is just one of the many verses that speak about God being a refuge, a shelter. This has been the, this has been the, uh, the, the theme of many songs that have been written in regards. We think about rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee, and on and on and on. That list goes that God is a refuge in time of trouble. I was raised in the Ozarks. You might say it's right at the tail end of Tornado Alley. All of those tornadoes that ripped through Oklahoma and Kansas always cross over somewhere in the neighborhood of Joplin and right on toward Springfield. And so we had more than our fair share of tornadoes there. And I can remember several nights that uh, late at night being awakened and said, let's go out to the root cellar. Now you kids, I have no idea what a root cellar is. It's basically a hole in the ground with dirt piled on top of it, and that's where you store your canned goods and things like that. And, and, and by the way, for a young boy, the last thing you want to do, I'd rather face a tornado than a root cellar because your mind is running wild and you're, you know, you're thinking of all them spiders and snakes and rats and everything else that you might encounter down there. But I can remember getting up in the middle of the night and going out to a root cellar. I had a good friend who was like a brother to me and his dad was... Uh, Well, he was a fanatic when it came to tornadoes. He hit the panic button every time a cloud had come up, and he'd talk about it, you know, and just keep going. He'd get himself all worked up in the lather, and finally, it's come on. We're going to the root cellar, and uh, that's not a pleasant place. But let me tell you, it was a safe place to be. Now, whenever it speaks about God being our refuge, understand that whenever you're in a place of refuge that doesn't change or it doesn't control what's going on on the outside a tornado can come over i mean just the fact that you went you know down in the root cellar or basement or whatever that doesn't change the weather it is the same and there's so many times in our life that we misunderstand Whenever we have a problem, we think that God ought to eliminate the problem altogether. When God knows that we need the benefits of the problem, He sends it into our life for a reason, and He's not going to allow us to escape it, but He will enable us to endure it. He provides a place of shelter. The circumstances never change. The storm is still raging. The problems still exist. But some way or another, in the middle of it all, you find a peace and a joy in knowing that God has protected you. I love that old song, Never Alone. No, never alone. Well, that listen. That's true. As God's people, we're never alone. We have a refuge, regardless of how bad it gets. But not only, not only does this mean that uh, we have a refuge, but also the fact that God is in trouble indicates that we have strength. Notice He tells us right here clearly: God is our refuge and strength. He doesn't say one or the other. He says our refuge and our strength. When we think about the refuge, the shelter, that is a place of protection. But when we think about strength, that is speaking about power. Life is tough and we are weak. And that's why we need strength. Because regardless of how good you are, regardless of how hard you try to avoid it, you're going to have trouble you're going to have trouble because that's all a part of God's plan for your life. You know, we don't do our children any favors when we protect them and shelter them. And, you know, we run to their aid every time that they fall. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, naturally we care about our children. But I'm telling you, part of growing up is getting the bumps and the bruises. Some of us sitting around the table talking about that yesterday and the fact that you know, part of the problem today is that children, the, the parents get too involved in things that are going on instead of letting the kids work it out and work through it. And they listen. I, used to, we had fights every day on the schoolyard. I'm not talking about once in a while, but but I, I mean every day we had. And some some guy that I know was involved in a lot of them, but. It's every day on the schoolyard, after school, during school, or whatever. I mean, today you'd have lawsuits and everything else going on. But back then, back then, you know, they let the kid settle it. If it it carried over into the classroom, the teacher settled it. But that was the end of it. You didn't have to worry about parents running down there, you know, going to sue the school because somebody got a paddling. They got what they needed. Listen, listen. Trouble is all a part of God's plan for our life. We think about the suffering of Job, and we think about all of the other examples in the Bible, how that sometimes the very best people had the worst problems. And for somebody that doesn't know anything about God, maybe they're thinking, my God has lost control. You know, he, he, he either doesn't care, He doesn't know, or, 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 or that, you know, that He's weak and helpless and He can't be of any help. But he's there all of the time, regardless of what we're going through. And whenever God allows us to be subjected to those trials, he gives us the strength to endure them. Notice here in this psalm that he speaks about earthquakes. He speaks about storms. He speaks about war. I mean, those are things that normally we fear. Those are things that are dangerous, and yet... Having spoken about those things, he tells us that we're not to fear. Our problem is we get so focused on the problem that we lose sight of the Lord. We take our eyes off of the problem solver. Instead of praying, we hit the panic button. Several years ago, there was an earthquake in the small village, and the inhabitants of the of the little town were alarmed naturally as you would be with an earthquake. They didn't have the big strong buildings like we do and their little huts and what have you were falling down one by one. And But in the midst of all of that, there was one little old lady that everybody knew and they were amazed by her calmness uh, and, and, and apparently her joy even because She didn't seem to be all of that disturbed. And so one of them went to her and asked her, said, are are you not afraid? And she said, no. She said, I rejoice to know I have a God who can shake the world. Now you think about that for a little while. So many times we look at the problem and fail to see that God allows it for a good reason. Remember, everything that gets to you comes through Him first. There are no accidents. Everything is either caused or allowed to happen by God Himself. And this little old lady realize that earthquakes are dangerous, but I'm not going to think about the danger of the earthquake. I'm going to think about the greatness of my God. I have a God who has the power to literally shake this earth. Hey, listen, when you have a God that can do that, then you have a God that can keep you through the storms. Oh, the storms of life are raging, stand by me. I know that's an old Ernest Tubb song. Stand by me. Thou who rulest wind and waves, stand by me. I want you to know He's in trouble with you. Not only in trouble in the sense that He gives you a shelter, not only in trouble in the sense that He is your strength, but also in the sense that He is your solace. Notice what He says, that He is a very present help. That speaks about His presence. It speaks about the peace that He provides. Just a few weeks ago I preached a message about the peace of God brought about by the presence of God. And I said then that the presence of God is the inspiration of missions. There in Matthew 28 He gives us the Great Commission to go into all to the world. Let me tell you something, we don't do that without some sort of inspiration that comes from somewhere other than ourselves or a pat on the back from our, from our friends and neighbors. We need something better than that to motivate us to leave everything and to go into all of the world and to preach the gospel to a people that hates our guts and would slit our throat. Why would we do that? It's because of the inspiration we receive in knowing that He said, Lo, I am with you always. You see, you can depend on Him. And I said, because of that, His presence enthralls, it empowers, it enables, and it encourages. And I just hope and pray this morning that this glorious truth of knowing that God is in trouble, He's in trouble with you, and I pray that will impact your life in some way. It ought to cause you to praise Him. It ought to cause you to pray to Him instead of panic. David said, in the day of trouble, this is Psalms 86, 7, in the day of trouble, now that might be today for some of you, in the day of trouble, it might be tomorrow. In the day of trouble, whenever it is and whatever it is, he said, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Brother Nolan's song had it just right. Amen. Amen? I will call upon thee. You see, David didn't hit the panic button. He knew he had a God that was greater than his problem And he said, I'm not going to panic, I'm going to pray. And he prayed because he had the assurance that God would hear and answer him. Our text here in verse number 1 tells us what God is. God is our shelter, God is our strength, God is our solace. But whenever you read on in the next two verses, he tells us how that ought to affect us. Therefore... Because of who God is, therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and troubles, notice, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. In other words, we ought to have that peace that comes in knowing that He doth all things well. And since God is in trouble, we have the courage to face whatever comes our way. Over in Hebrews chapter number 13, I think some of the most wonderful verses in all of the Bible as we anticipate our problems, as we think about our difficulties, he says, and let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Now, all of us, it's easy for us to be content when everything's going good, right? But he said, be content with such things as you have, regardless of what the situation is. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. There's the promise. And then he says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And if the truth is known, there are people right now that are living in fear. There are people that are overwhelmed and ready to hit the panic button. If it's not their country they're concerned about, it's their children they're concerned about. If it's not the children, it might be their health. And all of us can just take a few seconds and automatically we can just start thinking about all of the difficulties that we face You better believe that Satan's going to do everything in his power to attack you and to just bombard your mind with all of those negative things. That's why the cure for worry is found over in Philippians chapter number 4 where Paul makes that absolutely amazing statement that, you know, I'm sure you've been around friends and explaining your problems and maybe they look at you and say, you know, I'm going to be praying for you and you don't have anything to worry about. And you just feel like punching them in the nose. You know what I mean? One of the worst things a preacher can do when he's with a family in distress is to preach a little sermonette. The best thing he can do is just let a tear come to his eye and give him a hug and say, I love you, I'm praying for you. They don't need a lecture at a time like that. Now listen to what Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. We do that rather well whenever things are going well, don't we? Boy, you let let the problems come our way, and all of a sudden we lose our joy, which is our strength. And then he says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. That's the same as saying don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep, that is, guard, protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, Lovely, of a good report. If there be any virtue and there be any praise, he said, think on these things. You see, listen, you can't keep Satan from from bombarding your mind with certain negative thoughts, but you can control what you think about. And when those things come, Paul says, shift your focus and think about those things that are pure and lovely and so on and so forth. And if you sum all of those up, you know what it spells basically? Jesus. Because all of those things are graces that are characteristic of Him. And that's why the Bible says, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why Hebrews 12.3 says, consider Him. You see, whenever we get focused on the problem, we get distracted and then we get discouraged and we end up in despair. And there's no reason for us to be in a state of despair. Why? Because God is in trouble. In trouble with us. Now, notice, speaking about all of these things, these earthquakes, the war, the storms... In all of these things, notice verse number 4, right on the heels of having spoken about those calamities, notice what he says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. That might not mean a lot to you, but you better believe that got the attention of absolutely every single Jew. When it speaks about the city of God, automatically the thing that comes to their mind was Jerusalem. Jerusalem, by the way, was one of the very few major cities that was not built on a river. That might not seem like a big deal. Today we have modern irrigation systems and things like that that we... You know, we transport water from miles and miles away. Back then, it was a big deal. It was such a big deal that whenever Sennacherib, who was the the king of the Assyrians, decided to come against Judah and to capture Jerusalem, before that happened, they they had destroyed, they sacked 46 towns and villages. Their army had carried away 200,000 into captivity. An army of Assyrians, of a, at least 186,000 Assyrian soldiers, had Jerusalem surrounded. There seemed to be no way out. And they camped there just waiting. Till they ran out of water and they knew they would have to surrender or die. However, unknown to Sennacherib and the Assyrians, Hezekiah, the wise king, had built a tunnel transporting water some said 1,177 feet, I think it was, over a quarter of a mile, bringing that water underground to the Pool of Siloam. They had that fresh supply of water there all of the time to sustain them. They didn't live in fear and panic, although they're surrounded on the outside by the enemy. They're dwelling in peace because God is with them and there is a supply. And Hezekiah prayed. And as he prayed, God leaped into action. Remember what David said in the day of trouble? He said, I'm going to call upon God because he'll answer me. Hezekiah prayed and God answered. And the angel of the Lord slew 186,000 Syrian soldiers in one night. That's easy for God. Well, we keep thinking we got problems that's, you know, uh, bigger than even God can handle. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And because He is in trouble, in trouble with you, whatever you're going through, listen, He might not eliminate the the storm on the outside, But he'll give you peace on the inside. And just in knowing and having that assurance that he's with you in your trouble, who give you a peace and a calmness. He said, There is a river whereof make glad the city of God. I'm glad there is a constant, endless supply for God's children in this world. I, Think about that old song. That says, there is a river that flows from deep within. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. To know that God has an abundant supply for all of his children. We can rely upon him to always do us good and not evil. He's with you in your trouble. I don't know what your trouble is. It might be health. It might be domestic. It might be have to do with your vocation. It can be a thousand and one different things. But it really doesn't matter, because regardless of the nature of your trouble, you have a God that's bigger than your problem. Whenever the doctor called and gave the news about Brother Ron, and he said, uh, told Peggy and the family and to spread the word that. Uh, He's only got 24 to 48 hours to live. Let me tell you, that's shocking news. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember whenever I sent the message out to the church, I said, This is some of the worst news that I've ever received in my life. And it was, it was something that was just, wow. How did you get ready for that? How do you wrap your mind around that that we're going to have somebody that we love here with us not more than forty eight hours? But see, that doctor doesn't know anything about our God, does he? We have a God that's bigger than our problems. God's in trouble. And because he's in trouble, we're not. We might be in the trouble in the sense that we've got problems, but we're not in trouble. Because God is right there with us. And there's nothing that will ever happen that He can't get us through. Have you ever, you parents know what I'm talking about? You, you've ever thought to yourself, oh, dear Lord, if I ever got the news that one of my kids had been hit by a car and died, or, or it, you know, maybe you, you, you've thought about, I, I don't know what I'd do if I'd lose my wife or my husband. And you think, I, 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 I couldn't go through that. I, I couldn't take it. I just couldn't bear up under that. If you're a child in the will of God, a child of God in the will of God, There's absolutely nothing that can happen that you can't get through. Because like Paul said, the grace of God is sufficient. God's in trouble. And He's there because of you. He was in trouble in one way on the cross. And He subjected Himself to the suffering and the pain and he did all that but let me tell you he was never out of control it was all a part of his plan and because he is in your trouble whatever it is you can just mark it down all things work together for good to those who love the lord or the called according to his purpose i'm glad god's in trouble that's all stand. Father, how we thank you this morning for the wonderful assurance that we have that through the difficulties of life, that we have that blessed assurance that absolutely nothing can defeat us, nothing can destroy us, that Satan can't do anything to touch us or to take our life, that everything that happens to us, first of all, must come through the filter of Your wisdom and Your love. And Lord, we know that if You allow it, that You will be right there in the trouble with us to deliver us and to help us through the difficulty. And not only to deliver us, but then to turn around and to use that experience in some way that will glorify yourself, and edify your people. Help us this morning to not panic, but to leave here with peace, because we've been reminded that God is in trouble, but we pray in your name.